0: Hi, I'm Jeff the Editorial Director of Manufacturing.net and Manufacturing Business Technology. Welcome to Security Breach. Today's episode is going to offer a case study of sorts on how industrial cybersecurity threats continue to rise and in ways that don't always have a direct connection to traditional hacking motivations. GhostSec describes itself as a hacktivist group. Formed around 2015, the organization's initial focus was shutting down ISIS websites and infiltrating their social media platforms. From there, GhostSec expanded its targets to include oppressive government regimes and organizations like QAnon. So, it could be argued that its targets were meshing with its hacktivist mantra. Recently, the organization has been linked to politically motivated attacks involving PLCs and other industrial controls in Israel, Iran, and Russia, all of which have focused on vulnerabilities found within industrial equipment controls. While supporting Ukraine's efforts against an invasion, as well as personal expressions of freedom in Iran are universally embraced, other attacks are raising questions. But perhaps the biggest question for the industrial community is if Gosec can show others how relatively simple it is to take control of PLCs, Modbus connections, and industrial control systems, will those learning from Gosec take it to another level? Gosec has been comparatively benevolent compared to others. No ransomware demands and no malware incursions. However, their capabilities raise questions that should be keeping more industrial stakeholders up at night. Namely, what's the next type of attack, and where is it coming from? So it's not about GhostSec being directly responsible for an attack on your facility, but what will the light they're shining on their tactics mean when others do look to probe your system security levels? Joining us to discuss this situation is Matan Dabrushin, VP of Research at Autorio. Based in Israel, the company is a leader in industrial cybersecurity solutions and services. Matan, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Um, Before we get going, you have kind of an interesting background. You actually spent some time with the Matzo unit as part of Israel's Department of Defense. I know you can only speak at sort of a high level in terms of what you did there, but maybe you could fill us in a little bit on on what that unit was about and some of your responsibilities.
1: Sure, Jeff. Thank you. So... Uh, I really cannot speak too much about my service in Matzov, but Matzov is responsible for all the defense in cybersecurity, for all the Ministry of Defense uh, of Israel. My role there was uh, security researcher, and then I was a team leader responsible for threat hunting and incident response operations. Uh, That's it.
0: I see. No problem. All right. Excellent. So one of the reasons we wanted to get together, Matana, is to talk about GhostSec and some of their recent activities. They position themselves as more of a hacktivist, but some of the things they've been up to lately are raising some bigger questions. What is your? How do you guys look at, at uh, GhostSec and what they've been doing? How would you sort of phrase them or position them?
1: Yeah, sure. So first of all, let's clarify uh, that the original GhostSec like the Goal Security team um, is a different group. They have the same name, so it's kind of misleading, but the original group was uh, organized to attack ISIS. This Goal Sec is broader than it. Uh, They actually changed a few targets over the the last few months. So last month it was Israel, uh, as part of their pro-Palestinian, we tried to, uh, you know, attack the Zionists and so on. This month, it is um, the Iranian government and different entities that are connected to the Iranian government. Um, And we think that their main motivation is really to uh, gain fame. And they just use ICS systems more and more because it serves their uh, goal perfectly they didn't have originally ICS capabilities and nowadays they are getting better at it. So this is a very disturbing news that we uh, we shine a light on because it is not trivial to, to exploit ICS networks uh, without any proper knowledge or expertise and the fact that they are actually Figuring it out in a very short period of time is a disturbing news.
0: Absolutely. I'm glad you kind of transitioned there because that is the main focal point here and how they've been getting at these industrial control systems. From when we look at things from the industrial perspective then in our audience in manufacturing, what's kind of what's creating some of these soft spots? What, why are these vulnerabilities kind of comparatively very simple for them to probe and exploit?
1: So again, there are when we say ics there are a lot of verticals uh within within it uh we have like the energy and the pharma and the manufacturing and just iot can be uh sometimes also considered critical uh like the plc of, of the water pool so yeah. um it's kind of a thin line and really the 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 most common misconfigurations is dealing with segmentation, like connecting the devices directly to the internet is is a very uh, not recommended thing to do, as well as staying with some, you know, default credentials or uh, just basic misconfigurations. And this happens a lot also to organizations that knows, that know a thing or two about cybersecurity because the people who are responsible for the operations or installing the system are not the same as the ones who are responsible for securing it uh, in most of the most of the cases, and this is exactly what we're seeing uh, with at least most of the GhostSec victims in the past few few weeks. But they are getting the the low hanging fruit, right? They are attacking the the most easy yet in potentially dangerous targets. Uh, And if we said that their intention is to make a a highlight, right, make some news, gain some fame to them, a news title of like we broke into something that is actually controlling critical parameters of uh, like drinking water, or we took down the substation, this is a very big headline, so right. I definitely understand they're um, you know, targeting those systems and it's uh, very cost effective if, he, if they have uh, the right tools for it.
0: It's interesting what you bring up sort of trying to gain notoriety through these types of attacks. Do you think this their goal is to potentially elevate them getting into things like ransomware and other types of attacks of that nature down the line? They
1: might. Um, again, from what we know about this GoSec, uh, particularly, um, there are a bunch of individuals uh, that are grouped together with the same agenda. Uh, they, if you saw their Twitter or or uh, Telegram, they like to curse a lot. They like to, you know, put some scary skulls and saying that we are anonymous and we are. protecting the weak. Um, So we really don't think that they they make a business out of it, not like hacking groups. And they just try to, you know, as I said before, gain prestige, gain fame to their activities.
0: Do you think there's some dangers in terms of copycats out there, though, that are going to see what Gosec has been doing and say, well, it looks relatively simple, We can do the same thing, and maybe with more nefarious intentions in mind.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly the point, and exactly the disturbing. um, We we don't want to, you know, to do any fad and and say that um, more to come. Right. But the fact that I think they are one of the first to actually use. A lot of the open source tools that are available for ICS communication, and they just use them, and it definitely can, you know, um, turn on the lights to to a lot of different similar attacking groups, hacking groups, uh, and I hope I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah it's definitely something for the industrial sector to keep an eye on um, from other folks taking these types of tactics. So we've talked about some of the challenges that are out there, Um, Matan, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the work that Otorio does and some of the things that you're helping to, uh, helping manufacturers keep the industrial sector a little bit more secure.
1: Yeah, so Otorio has several angles uh, to that. Um, First, obviously the technology that we are developing, uh, is helping industrial um, networks to, to hire their walls and to protect themselves better. And the approach that we are taking is more of the orchestration and or automation approach rather than just put another sensor in the network. We, we think that uh, it has big impact in the protection of the network. And also, we are putting a lot of effort, especially the, the research department, in releasing open source tools um, free of charge. Anyone in the OT community can go and download them, and use them. And also we're keeping track of these hacking groups and monitoring new vulnerabilities. uh, And we alert whenever we think there is something uh, that is critical. Absolutely.
0: You you mentioned before about the disconnect between those who are implementing a lot of these systems and those who are responsible for the security of it. What's the solution there? Is it something as simple as better training, working with somebody like Otorio, a third party to, to come in and consult, or what? What can we do there to sort of break down that that barrier?
1: Yeah. So that's too good of a question uh, <laughs> because because that because that gap, or people don't like to, to call it gap anymore. Like we we say ITO convergence and, and so on. Um. Definitely, the, the answer is that they will have the same language as a starter because they do speak in two very different ones, right? One, think of um, of safety and for the process to keep going, and one is talking about ransomware and uh, confidential data and so on. So what our system and our uh, services, as well as other products in, in the world, uh, are trying to do is bridging um, the two stakeholders uh, to, to, to use the same system or the same language. Uh, and it, did, it has a lot of implications, uh, like we are integrating with IT systems and systems that the OT uses and together we try to build an ecosystem that that the loop can can be closed, right? And not just alerting on someone that he doesn't have all the resources to, to close. Like segmentation needs an approval of several stakeholders in the way: the network, the OT, the land manager. Uh, and we try to you know uh, make it easier. Absolutely. You know,
0: one of the things in Right away, when you talked about Gosec or anybody else sort of elevating their game, it made me go to ransomware because that's such a huge issue here in the U.S. for manufacturing. You know, Colonial Pipeline got a lot of attention, JBS has, and there's been several others. What advice do you give folks when it comes to responding to ransomware attacks in terms of just being more secure, but then also potentially having to pay up and and deal with that ransom itself? What's your take on, on just sort of addressing those situations?
1: Yeah, so, so first, even though the ransomware is a bad thing, uh, it's great that the market now has a very clear um, goal, like I need to be protected from ransomware, which already brings them to a level of security, which is not bad at all, because ransomware groups today, they have a lot of resources and, and advanced techniques. Regarding the payment and Really each ransomware incident that we uh, deal with our customers is really different from one another. I will say that if the organization has good like, solid backups uh, that, that he can restore uh, relatively easy and he is willing to use that money in order to uh, protect himself better so he could defend from the next ransomware attack. So I'd say um, maybe he shouldn't pay, okay? Maybe he should restore the network and use that money in order to implement more security measures. If he doesn't have a clear uh, plan or the ransomware is really high, I don't think that yes is, is a good answer, but I think that he should at least consult with a company like ours or other cybersecurity experts uh, to to understand what he can and cannot do and what his his risks, because it's all about risk management, right? Even if he does pay, you can't really know what's happened. You don't want to mess up with the attacker so much because it's not your field of expertise. So it's always uh, complex situations and uh, this is a really good question.
0: <laughs> you know, one the things you, you bring up a lot of great points, and having those plans in place and then executing them and following through. I think where a lot of folks in um, manufacturing struggle is there's not a lot of transparency in some of these other attacks that have taken place. People keep that information very close to the vest. They don't want to share it. Can you think of ways that the that maybe the industry can get more comfortable? with sharing some of this information so that we can establish some universal best practices in responding to these attacks and developing better plans overall.
1: Yes. So the, the whole issue with knowledge sharing uh, is something that is very much discussed within within the ICS security community. Uh, there are good initiatives um, by different private and public entities that are trying to build those systems and try to anonymize the critical data from the non-critical data uh, in order to really share uh, these this, uh, this IOCs and so on with, with the rest of, of the world. Uh, I think that the two major uh, issues there is that uh, you really don't see too much of like advanced persistent threats, like APT attacks, that their IOCs are really meaningful, like impactful um, on a lot of organizations, like because we don't have enough security mechanisms in place, maybe, maybe we don't have too good of an incident response team, I don't know. But we don't hear a lot about those stories, even anonymous. And when we stay in the shallow, like, yeah, some organization got hacked by a group that we already know, the, the real impact of sharing the IOCs is not so, so good. OK, so to know that a nearby organization in the same vertical like you has an incident right now, yes, this is definitely an intel that you want to know. OK, like, and I hope that they are sharing it even without fancy systems that everyone upload their data in real time. I will say that there are verticals that are already doing it. Um, Say like a positive word about the Ministry of Energy in Israel, for example, they are monitoring all of the energy activities in Israel constantly uh, with anonymized data. So this is a good example. And I think that it's, It will only work if it comes from uh, top down, like if the ministry of some vertical says, let's go, everyone sends data, game's over.
0: Makes sense. Matan, you, you know, we've talked a little bit about Gosec within the course of this interview. Are there any, is there anybody else out there? Any other organizations that you're keeping a close eye on? Here in the U.S., Our Evil has definitely popped up. Dark Side has definitely popped up. We're seeing um, uh, the one from China as well, uh, uh, Panda, Wicked Panda, I think is, is their name. Those are sort of at the top of the list. Are there, is there anybody else you're keeping an eye on specifically?
1: So, yes. Uh, I will say that as soon as we finish an incident or um, like monitoring a new group that is not is not published yet, uh, we take uh, all what we can, but we're doing all what we can in order to publish as much of IOCs and so on as we can. Uh, Unfortunately, I cannot disclose too much on uh, whether we have something in place or not. Makes sense.
0: Kind of wrapping things up here. As we look ahead the next 12, maybe 18 months, are there bigger trends in cybersecurity that you're paying attention to and talking to your clients about?
1: Yeah. So regarding the the attacking side, uh, so I think that As you said yourself, right? Like other hacking groups will understand that there is a lot of potential in uh, attacking ICS systems that it is relatively possible uh, with misconfigured devices. And unfortunately, I don't think that GoSafe will be the last campaign to to launch these attacks. The good side, for a second. uh, We are hearing a lot about SBOM these days. And we are like some of the people are already sick of it, right? Because everyone talks about S bomb. I do think that once the market will be uh, mature enough and it will happen pretty fast, and he understands how to implement it within OT networks, uh, it can really shine a good and very positive light on some black box areas of the factory, of the production line that we didn't have enough light before. Uh, So this is definitely a good trend that I really hope that security vendors will adopt. And something that is just really interesting for me as an OT security researcher, um, I saw a presentation several days ago about um, a Wi-Fi based attack that was took place uh, using a drone. People are talking about these kind of things um, for a while now, but today drones are so cheap that any kid can buy one and just, you know, add uh, some wireless car to it. I definitely think that um, also because of the geopolitical situation in the world, we're going to see more and more cybersecurity weapons that are being delivered through. Uh, portable flying devices. <laughs> um, but again, hopefully I'm wrong.
0: Thanks, Matan. For more information on the work Otorio does, you can go to otorio.com. And thank you for joining us today. To catch up on past episodes, you can go to manufacturing.net, IEN.com, or mbtmag.com. You can also check Security Breach out wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Overcast. From Matanda, Bruce, and I'm Jeff Ranke, and this is Security Breach.